0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1062.
1: Good history is about the future.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration.
1: So get in, sit
0: down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ellen Spear. Hey Ellen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I got my pedal to the metal. All
0: right, I love it. Ellen Spear is the President and CEO of Heritage Museums and Gardens. Located in Sandwich, Massachusetts, she previously served as President and CEO of Hancock Shaker Village in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Ellen served as Executive Director of the USS Constitution Museum in Boston, and she was the VP for Development, Marketing, and Public Relations at the American Textile History Museum. Heritage Museum and Gardens is the largest public garden in southern New England, with 100 acres of magnificent grounds and trails on the banks of the Shami Pond in Historic Sandwich. But you know what? There are three gallery buildings housing permanent exhibits of world-class automobiles and that's what we're here to talk about today there's a working vintage carousel american folk art and featured special exhibitions and currently there's a very special display titled start your engines featuring cars and stars of the indy 500 so ellen i've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you in the museum would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles.
1: Sure, happy to. I actually started my career in public broadcasting, so I'm a, a refugee from radio. <laughs> oh, <And> cool. <laughs> I got interested in museums, and my first museum post was as the director of the USS Constitution Museum. Also transportation, but a little bit slower than the transportation that we have here <laughs> at Heritage Museums and Gardens. Sure. Uh, I've been here for seven years, and it's really uh, an amazing collection of cars from the brass age to the present. And um, I'm not quite sure how the car bug hit me. I've always been an admirer of um, really well-designed cars. So it's kind of a dream come true to be responsible for this great collection. And um, this year, for the first time, I was uh, able to go to the Indy 500, which was just a life-changing experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. How cool. Well, you know, A shout-out to Lynn St. James, because she's the one that connected us. She's been a guest here on Cars, yeah. And she said, Mark, you got to talk to Ellen. They've got an incredible exhibit there. And, of course, with the Indy 500 exhibit you have going on now, had her very excited. But, yeah, I've been to the Indy 500, too. And when you go to that race versus watching it on TV, I mean, that's the way you have to do it, right?
1: I will go every time I can for the rest of my life. I mean, I thought it was going to be 15, 20 laps and I would be incredibly bored until the last 10 laps. I was riveted. Every single lap. Uh, You can't imagine the sound. As you know, it's deafening. It's really not a social experience because you got your headsets or earplugs in or you're listening to it on the radio. Mm -hmm. But the drama of every single lap was just overwhelming to me. And the crowd was electric. And seeing this year, seeing Danica Patrick and having her car here as part of our show was just such an amazing connection. The whole City of Indianapolis was rooting for Danica this year.
0: I think so. I was so sorry to see her uh, in her career there at Indy in the way that it happened. But, you know, that's racing, as they say. Things yeah. happen in a blink of the eye, and that's what's interesting about that race. Really is the world's greatest race, I think. It's always been said that way. But uh, I think it's cool. And We're going to learn a lot more about you, about your exhibit for the Indy 500. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Ellen, take the wheel.
1: Sure. This quote is up on my wall and I look at it every morning. It's by uh, Daniel Burnham. He was an architect who was one of the people who helped develop the skyscraper. He did Union Station in D.C. and other kind of big, iconic buildings. And he said, make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood and probably themselves will not be realized. Make big plans, aim high in hope and work, remembering that a noble, logical diagram once recorded will not die.
0: I love that. That's the first time that quote's been used here, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I, it has a special place in my heart because my father was fond of that. He was an architect, and I think that's the relationship there with that uh, quote. Yeah. But, uh, well, how have you incorporated. That wonderful quote with what you do there at the museum.
1: Well, we make no small plans. Every plan that we have here for an exhibit is as far as we can push it. Our plan for developing our gardens and developing our buildings are big plans, bigger mm. than anybody ever imagined here. It's go big or go home, I guess, is the is the <laughs> yeah. corollary of that <laughs> yeah. because, you know, we're we're all awash in so much stuff. There's so much media. There's so much stimulation all around us in order to connect with audiences, in order to kind of move their heads around to say, hey, look at this. This is going to change your life. We really have to compete in that environment. So we have to provide our audiences with as deep and fulfilling an experience as we possibly can.
0: Uh, Go big or go home. That's wonderful. Nice way to put it. I've not had the pleasure of visiting your museum, but having explored your website and learning more about you before we talk today, I've got to get back there because I love the outdoors. I love gardens, for one thing. I know most people think me as a car guy mostly, but I do love the outdoors and plants and things. And and what you've got there, the gardens with the cars, is just amazing.
1: Well, let me give you an example. We exercise our cars we like to keep them running of the 42 cars in our collection and recently we reactivated our Duesenberg which was owned by Gary Cooper it hadn't run in almost 50 years so it came back from the shop It's this amazing car. It's this beautiful lime green and and lemon yellow color. It's magnificent, really one of a kind. And so we took it out to exercise it through the gardens and everybody realized why that car has to move. Yes. It looks like a racehorse. It was so completely different than seeing it. It's great to see in a museum environment, but seeing this move, and it likes to go fast in its context from a car from the 30s. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all goes together, going past all these rhododendrons and past all this spring flowers and foliage. It was just mind-bending.
0: Wow. I'll bet. I wish I could have been there to see that. Fantastic. Well, Let's go back in time. You talked a little bit about instigating your passion for cars and where that all came from. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you think back that you realized you were indeed a car doll?
1: Yes, it was my senior year in college. And I was buying my first car, buying it myself with my own money. And uh, it was a 1969 VW Fastback. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> it yeah. Had been- owned by a lady on a farm and she had like these plastic seat covers. So the thing was pristine and it, but it was a stick and I did not know how to drive a stick. Uh Oh, (laughs) So my boyfriend at the time took me in this, in the city, I went to school in Richmond, Virginia, through the city to take this car home from the countryside in Virginia to learn how to drive a stick. Oh, wow. And so mastering driving a stick in the city was kind of interesting. And I realized at that moment, I would never drive an automatic again. Yeah. And I really kind of got what driving was about.
0: Yeah. Oh, it is. It's important. That's why I insisted both of my children in their first car be a manual. That's because my- you've got to think about what you're doing when you're driving yeah. a manual car. There's not a lot of time to be thinking about your phone or anything else or drinking a coffee or whatever you might be doing that you shouldn't be doing. So I think that's cool. I had a girlfriend in high school whose mom had a Fastback VW, and I had a Carmen Ghia. So I loved the Volkswagens and all that, but the Fastback—you don't see many of those around anymore. I think they've all rusted yeah. away. Yeah, yeah.
1: This was a wonderful car, and it was really in perfect, perfect shape, and it got me a long way. And you know, so besides being a stick, it was like my first car that yeah. I bought that was mine.
0: All right. Well, very cool. Now I know why Lynn St. James likes you so much. Yeah,
1: why <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like her? She likes go yeah, well, fast.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, she does. Boy, boy, howdy, does she de- go fast? That's for sure. Well, Ellen, what I want to do now is take a look at the many roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you may have faced along the way. But of course, the thing about these things are the learning lessons. So walk us through one of those, would you?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, There have been so many. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I would talk in general about I tend to see the future and live in the future. And I think when I've run into issues in the past, it's been when I haven't really stopped to make sure that everybody around me was on the same page and on the same road with me. Mm, yeah. I was way out ahead. And mm. so in several instances, people would go where I would would move an institution or a project forward. We'd go like, wait a minute. We don't <laughs> where you, are you? we are not there. <laughs> yeah. And that's the time where, you know, it has either stopped a project cold Or it's caused it to be very delayed for me to remember to take the time to bring everybody along and not Mm. only to see the same vision and to be on the same page, but to have a real tangible and important part in shaping it.
0: You know, this is very interesting to me because. You are someone who lives way out in front in the future, but you've worked at museums that are about the
1: past.
0: This is a very interesting dynamic in your personality here.
1: Well, good history is about the future. Good history Ah. is about are thinking about where we've been and where we want to go. Mm. Because um, at museums, like with our car collection, which cars are in the collection and why? And what do they say to us Mm -hmm. about what was important at the moment in time where they were created? And what's the message? It's like writing a letter to the future, you know, museum objects. What does this object say if it were a letter to people in the future about what was important to us at this very moment? So it's a little bit of time travel, but not as weird as you might think.
0: I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic about your personality and the career path that you've chosen. I know I just wanted to highlight that because as as you were talking, going, hmm, this is an interesting lady I'm talking to today. So
1: (laughs) thanks for pointing that out.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career or life aha moment, a time when those headlights illuminate a new path, a new way for you. And walk us through that aha moment and what it meant for you.
1: The moment here at Heritage Museums and Gardens is when we realized that we weren't a museum. We were we were a place for education and that mm-hmm. education isn't sitting behind a desk writing with paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. And that when we really thought about it, when are people happiest? People are happiest when they learn and when they grow. But if you said to somebody, okay, come on, you're going to learn. People go, oh, leave me alone. I just want to be entertained. But I think we love to learn and learning is what is entertaining in life. So here, when we began to think about ourselves as as a place for education, we started to exhibit our cars really differently. And we started to really get into uh, every aspect of the car, not only in written text, but in the different ways that people learn. So through color, through the way the cars are displayed, through how you can get close to them, how you can take your picture with them, all these are ways to learn. And from that, too, here at Heritage, we started a preschool, the first science, technology, engineering, and math-based preschool at a museum in the country. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. And they use these cars all the time. The kids... You know, there's so much you can learn about science, technology, engineering, and math by looking at a car. So connecting little four and five year olds to these giant automobiles as part of their education has been a really fun piece.
0: Oh, that's exciting! Uh, That's so cool. I'll tell our listeners when uh, Ellen first called in today. I was hearing a lot of laughter, kids laughing. I thought I was at a playground. And she said, "She goes, do I need to close my window?" And I said, "Well, I, I am hearing the kids quite a bit, and there was all sorts of kids outside the window just having." A wonderful time at the museum. So uh, (laughs) a nice playthrough. I wish I could cue the music or cue the kids right now. Cue the kids. Yeah, cue the kids. Open the window.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's great about it is somebody's got to take care of these cars in the future. Um, You know, when we saw this Duesenberg that hadn't run for, you know, so many years and and there are other cars in our collection that need to get reactivated, somebody's got to take care of them. So if we don't excite this next generation about automotive history, about the beautiful design and innovations and engineering that these cars represent, nobody's going to love them. So, you know, it really, again, you talked about the past. It's connecting the past in those cars to the future, which are these kids.
0: Ah, awesome. it's wonderful. I love that. So special. Well, let's talk about you and a special car for you and your life. Your first really special car. Maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle as well.
1: Oh, this is a sad story. Oh, um, <laughs> in the eighties, I bought a nineteen seventy three uh, Fiat one twenty four Spider.
0: Oh, well, Fiat, yeah, that was the beginning of the sad story, I think.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, I bought it from a high school kid who had this car for a while, and sort of every weekend he took it apart, cleaned it, and put it back together, which was not in my schedule, certainly. Yes. So um, it was, you know, putting the top down. I remember driving around Vermont in late September, early October in this car. I thought, this is heaven. This yeah. is absolutely heaven. It was blue, black interior, beautiful woodwork. Everything about this car, I adored. It fit, you know, the seat, yes. fit me. everything fit me. So I was living in Cambridge, Mass at the time. Here's the sad part. <laughs> and I had the car about two years. There was no uh, off-street parking in Cambridge because I lived mm. in a big apartment building. So I'm parked on the street, and I went away to a professional conference. And I come back. And Marcello, I named him Marcello, Marcello (laughs) was missing. No, somebody stole Marcello. Worse than that. So my next door neighbor goes, Ellen, sit down. We have to talk to you. Marcello's Uh had an accident. Oh no. So somebody with a learner's permit who had their permit about 5 minutes sideswiped and totaled. Marcello. Oh no. So for those of you who know Cambridge, Massachusetts, Stadium Autobody, they said that Marcella was resting in state at Stadium. Oh, resting Autobody. in state. Oh my god. So gosh. I had to go up to Stadium Autobody and it was like a multi-level garage up to the top in the rain and the elements to like oh, no. get my little things out of the glove box and yeah. say goodbye to Marcella. It was sad, but boy, did I love that car! I just felt like this is what driving's about—top down, on the interstate in Vermont. Yeah. That crisp fall air, the beautiful oh, yeah. leaves—I thought this is it. This is why people drive.
0: Oh, you painted a a wonderful yet very sad story of poor. Let's let's have a moment of silence for Machello. Wow. Oh, what a bummer! That's a major yeah. bummer. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well. What can we where can we do from here? I guess we talk a little bit about sellers remorse. Maybe remorse is a good word for Marcello. Is is that the sellers remorse story in your life?
1: There's another car that didn't have a tragic end. It had a good end, but okay. um I really loved it because it was practical. This was a car that I had before I had Marcello. This was a car I bought in 1975. It was a 1973, must have something for that year, a yellow mm. Capri. Oh, Capris are cool. You, yeah. you know
0: what, Ellen? You are a cool lady. <laughs> I mean, Marcello and a Capri, those are cool cars. It I like those. It was yellow,
1: screaming yellow. Yes. The black interior. And I was living in Poughkeepsie, New York at the time. I was at a little radio station in Hyde Park, New York, and I lived in Poughkeepsie. And if you know that area, there's lots of hills. Okay. And this was the winter of the major blizzards. So this car, which was really fun and fast and Great to drive except in the snow on hills. Uh, um, so yeah. I, all winter, I had like. Uh, six bags of concrete in my trunk. In the, the trunk, stuff, yes. You know, because I I went some down, traction going there. Yeah, the hill on my where my house was. I went down sideways the first time, and I thought this uh, is not good. You know.
0: Yeah. But no. that
1: was a great car to drive. It was really fun and really fast. And you know, I eventually sold it because um, I thought I needed something more practical. Yeah. Went back to Volkswagens, and I wish I would have kept it because it was a really great car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think of those Capris. It's uh. Kind of like the Toyota Celica back in the day, in the 70s. I mean, those cars were just cool, bulletproof motors. Uh, obviously, yours was a manual. So was it a, now, would that have been a four-speed or a five-speed back then? It was four-speed. Four-speed, okay. Yeah, probably just before they, they upped it. So, oh, what a cool car. Yeah, Bumblebee. We'll call that B. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, it really was. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners a lot more about Heritage Museums and Gardens, and maybe also talk about the cars and stars of the Indy 500, these cars you have on display right now. For listeners who are planning to come and visit you, and you really should go visit this museum, what can they expect to see? What has you excited and fired up this year about the museum and the gardens?
1: We are so excited to host this museum. I think it's the largest collection of Indy cars outside of Indy for a long time at a museum. We've got cars that represent every decade of the Indy 500. And as I said before, it's not just to come in and look at a car. It really tells the story and there's lots of ways for people to get involved. We have Danica Patrick's car from when she first uh, led a lap at Indy. We have Alex Rossi's winner, 2016 Napa winner. We've got amazing cars from the past, the Wedge, a design that was eventually banned because it was just too darn fast. And a lot of historic cars and pace cars. But there's also a place where you can build your own Indy car and race it and time it, like with little parts these wooden parts to put it together there's a touch car that you can get into with a great backdrop and a strip of bricks in front of it, so we've got a milk bottle we've got the wreath we've got the helmet and the sunglasses and a jacket and you can get in the car and dress up and get your picture taken as an indie winner we've got tires so you can see the incredible tire technology there are motors on display, so it's we try to make it really interactive and as we're also uh, doing the great indie getaway raffle. Next year, 2019, is Heritage's 50th anniversary. So we have a raffle that you can purchase all this year to to win a four-day all-expense-paid trip to Indy with great tickets, with tickets to the parade and all kinds of goodies. So it's sort of a fun way to think about going to Indy yourself in 2019, but learning so much about it at Heritage this year. And we're also thinking about how we're going to reinstall our permanent collection next year, because the Indy cars will go back to the Indy Speedway, and we are so indebted to the folks at the Indy Speedway Museum. They are terrific to work with. I got a shout out to them. They were great. But our cars, our regular collection, will come back on display next year, too, with some new and different nuances to it.
0: Very cool. It sounds absolutely fantastic. I love the way you've approached everything. And again, I'll make sure I put a link to the Heritage Museum and Gardens on Ellen's show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website, or just check out our Google Heritage Museums and Gardens. Their wonderful website will pop up. You're going to be back east. Uh, you got to attend this place. It uh, sounds fantastic. Well, Ellen, here's a very introspective question for you. If Ellen was a vehicle, a race car, a driving car, whatever it might be, what would you be and why?
1: Gee, th- this is a hard one because before going to Indy, you know i might have had a different <laughs> a different <laughs> answer <laughs> cars yeah. are like amazing but i think i'll go with something more practical i have always admired innovation so a mercedes gullwing like the 56 which is yeah. the year i was born yeah so that's what i would be i think it's it's the year i was born they're they're sleek they're different they drive like crazy, but that's how I see myself, I think.
0: <laughs> Beautiful, elegant, fast, refined, innovative. Yeah, that's Ellen. Aren't you nice. I, I, I see that. Nice? <laughs> I see that. Those are incredible cars. I've had the luxury of driving one, and what amazed me about it was, it was the one I drove was actually the Roadster, not the Go-Wing, but, you know, same car, basically was just how incredibly modern the car felt for such an old car. Because you get in some cars in the 50s, like an old Corvette. It's kind of like driving a truck. It's just not very sporty. But man, you get in that Mercedes SL, it is a tank. And it's a very fast Panzer tank. I mean, it just, it's a rocket ship. And it just looks so wonderful. And you crawl over that wide entry there that you have to kind of, you don't want to be wearing a short skirt when you get into that thing. It. It's, yeah, a, it's it a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a quest to get in there. But once you're in there, you just feel like you're wrapped in luxury. It's yeah. just so nice. Uh, and how does it drive? It drives
1: smooth and- miraculously.
0: Does it want to be fast? It's, it's a German sports car. That's, yeah, yeah uh-huh. it wants to be fast. It wants to go fast. It, it just sounds wonderful, but you feel like you just got something around you because there's, it, you know, it's kind of a big car, got a little bit of a bulk to it. So I love it. Well, Ellen, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with Covercraft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features. So there are tons of customization options for sellers, no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars. Yeah. And you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ellen, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Drive the
1: speed limit. <laughs> yes, Every time yes. I don't, I get into trouble. <laughs> I know. Save
0: the speeding for the racetrack. That's where you need to be doing it, especially these days. So many inattentive drivers. It's a, it's a dangerous uh, roadway out there. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: Read. I read everything. I read everything I can get my hands on ah. very widely. I pick up stray magazines wherever they lie, lie around because there's always great intersections. So yes. read everything you can. I
0: like that play on words. There are always great intersections. Nicely said. See how I did that? <laughs> I, I loved it. Yeah, you're. I need, to, I need to have you come and work with me. You're a very smart woman. Now- is there a resource, and I know the museum, of course, is an incredible resource for people, but
1: is there maybe another resource you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoy? Oh, boy. I was going to say the Heritage website. <laughs> well, we that's just, okay. Go ahead. why? Because we just put our collections online. So you can search oh, all the cars. Yes. And you can learn all about each one of them. Mm. And from there, I mean, you can go almost anywhere. But it's really interesting to be able to know the history and so much about each of the cars in the collection. And it's right at your fingertips.
0: You know, I'm really glad you've done that because a lot of museums who that have a lot of cars, they just show a picture and a date and a name and that's kind of maybe a designer and that's it. But you want to learn more and then you have to go somewhere else and you wonder if that information is accurate. So really kudos to you and your team there that have put that together as a wonderful resource. And again, I'll put a link to that on Ellen's show notes page on the Carsia website. All right, I'm going to wave my magic wand, and I'm going to allow you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or racing industry, living or deceased. Who's that going to be?
1: There's two competing, but I have to say Raymond Loewy has the edge. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, His designs, I would love to get a Raymond Loewy car for our collection. We don't have one currently. It's just screamed modern and new American design to me. And it's still current, and they still look fresh.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so funny you mentioned his name. I just read an article by Peter Brock about Raymond Lowy. Peter's been a guest on the show here. Of course, he's a great car designer in his own rights, but where he talks about Raymond Lowy and his involvement and in cars that he's designed. And yeah, yeah, I'd love to sit down and talk with him being a designer at heart in my background as well. So that would be pretty cool. Is there a, a Raymond Lowy car in particular you'd love to have at the museum?
1: I don't know because there's just interesting aspects of things that he worked on. You know, was part of a team in addition to the things where he was the lead. So I can't, you know, anything <laughs> any Raymond Loewy car will do.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that kind of leaves it open. Well, the article I read was his involvement in the Avanti,
1: oh um, right, well, and
0: it was really kind of a nice. <laughs> it was kind of a skunk a skunkworks project, and I didn't realize that where Loewy yeah. was designed, and they kind of. They hid out in the desert in Palm Springs, and he brought some other designers on board. And then they kind of went back and surprised Studebaker. And, of course, the head of design at Studebaker kind of furled his brow and went, how come I didn't know you were working on this? You know, he he was a little uh, ruffled feathers, which I, I think he he should be. It's like, I would have liked to have known about this. But, yeah, Lowy, uh, and for those of the listeners who are not real familiar with him, check out Raymond Lowy because he designed locomotives. He designed the graphics for the uh, Presidential Air Force One. He's designed buildings, interiors. I mean, that guy got his hands on to everything.
1: Yeah, and Avanti or two. That would be great. Yeah, there we go. Okay, very cool. Well, I know
0: they have one here at the local LeMay Museum. I could yeah. go run over there and uh, maybe drive that back to your museum. I'm sure they wouldn't mind letting me throw me the keys and let me jump in that car. Sounds like a plan. They're, they actually, in fact, I believe, if I'm not incorrect, they have the first one the prototype car, and it's being restored uh, back to its original. Yeah, uh, Mr. Harold LeMay bought the car sometime in the distant past with all the, what, 4,000, 5,000 cars that he bought over his lifetime. so Yeah. Ah, uh, that'd be nice. Very cool. Well, how about a book? You mentioned you love to read. Is there a book in particular you'd like to share?
1: It's always the last thing I read. <laughs> That's so, cool. You know, there's tons of things. I just finished a book called Lincoln in the Bardo. Mm. It's it's a weird reflection uh, about Lincoln's presidency that is very human, very mystical for fans of, of history. It's a very different approach. Lincoln in the Bardo. I'm blanking on the author, but it's a very cool book.
0: Well, I'll make sure I put a link to that book on Ellen show notes page. There's a great place on the Carsia website called Guest Recommended Books where there are well over a thousand books obviously now listed there. I've made it really easy for you to just click, jumps you over to Amazon. You can buy the book. Um ah, fantastic. And nobody's recommended that book, so that's a new book here on cars. Yeah. I think I'm gonna get my hands on that as well. That sounds very, very interesting. Sounds wonderful. Well, here we are up to the checkered flag, Ellen. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today I'm buying you any cool car on the planet. Money's no object. But there's a couple of rules. You need to drive it, but I don't think I have to worry about that with you. I don't think you know what Garage <laughs> Queen means. You like getting yeah. your cars out and enjoying them. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You've got to keep it and enjoy it. What's it going to be and why?
1: This is this is interesting because my choice in thinking about this is that it has some family history too, and it would be something that I, I would love to get my hands on a 1957 T Bird. <laughs> my aunt had one my great aunt Uh and as a little kid you know we we talked about my vw fastback but i guess i was kind of becoming a gearhead even before that she had this thing i must have been eight years old and watched her drive in this thing and i thought it was the coolest thing on the planet it was red and white and i just thought i want that i want (laughs) to be that so that's the car i'd love to have and would never give away
0: yeah, I think so. Now, 57 with the hard top had the porthole window, if I'm exactly. correct. Exactly. Yeah, the, which was a, a unique one to that year. But, you know, I had an aunt as well, my late Aunt Jenny, who had a yellow 57 T-Bird, and they had bought it for her daughter and Paula. And uh, yeah, we'd go over and visit, and I'd go out to her garage and sit in that car, I had the big, giant steering wheel. And I was a little kid, you know, six, seven years old. She'd take me out for rides. We'd pull the top off, and uh Yeah. That would be very
1: yeah. cool. Yeah, I'd
0: love to get you one of those. Well, Ellen, you've taken us—you've taken us on a great ride today. Really enjoyed your stories and getting to know you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Carjia yeah listeners. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that '57 T Bird?
1: There's always a better way. Ah. No matter what they tell you, there's always a better way. So, innovate, do it better, do it faster, do it more efficiently. There's always a better way.
0: Nicely said. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and follow along with the Heritage Museums and Gardens?
1: Great. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Our website is heritagemuseums.org. And there's always so much going on. You can participate with our, our podcasts as well. You can be online, look at our stuff, or come visit us here in beautiful Cape Cod.
0: Nice. Well, listeners, again, I'll make sure there are links to everything Ellen has shared on her show notes page. Just go to CarsYet.com, type in Ellen Spear. That page will pop up. And if you're anywhere in the East Coast or up near Massachusetts, you got to check out Heritage Museums and Gardens, a wonderful place. And if you can't get there, go to the website, follow along, see what they're up to. Uh, what a What a dream. I can't wait to get back there and visit you. Ellen, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks so much, Mark. Please come see us soon.
0: Ah, uh, definitely. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. What's every automotive enthusiast dream to design and build that perfect garage? My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who have combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you. In your vehicles, Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast bolt together construction with over twenty five years of experience. you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage, go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. You take care of your cars.